Today we continue our, our series for uh, the winter and the season of Epiphany. Um, I've entitled Shine a Light, where we talk about the different lights that, that God has brought into the world through Christ and how we as, as disciples, as Christ followers, can take that light and receive it ourselves, but also how we can reflect that light and shine it for others to see. Last week, we um, celebrated the baptism of our Lord and remembered our own, and we talked about the light of belonging. Today, we make a little turn, and we're going to talk about the light of God's faithfulness, how uh, Christ brought that light into the world and how we can shine that for others to see. And we'll do so by turning to um, part of the Bible I tend to avoid preaching, and that is the letters. Um, They're harder to preach. There's no story there. But usually when you dig into these letters, you find a deep story that is taking place within a community of faith that's just finding its footing as disciples of Christ, as these were all early Christian communities. So this is um, the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds and friends as we encounter God's word together from the very beginning of 1 Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech, in knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. One of the favorite toys that my children have is this little set called a marble run heard of it? It's these pieces of interconnecting plastic tubes and, um, and structure support and whatnot, and you piece it together um, so that you can have a marble run the course of it. There are, there are, like I said, twists and turn pieces. There's My favorite one is a funnel where it goes down and it kind of spins and spins and spins until it goes all the way down, uh, but there, there are so many little twists and turns that just make this a fun toy. Now, it's not only fun, but it's also one that requires thoughtful consideration of things like height and support and speed in order for the marble to successfully complete the run, not only to make it all the way down, but also so that it doesn't get stuck or fall off the run. Our engineers in the congregation would probably have way too much fun with this and maybe did as children as well. It really is a joy, though, of parenting to watch my children figure all this stuff out. And I'll tell you, they're a lot better at it than I am. Whenever they tell me to try to help them, they get mad at me for messing something else up and uh, endangering the whole thing. And that's what's so interesting about this toy. 
They can quickly, if you ask my kids, they can quickly tell you how one little fault or one little piece that gets just a little bit out of place can cause the whole thing either to not work or to crash completely to the ground. As the builders of their runs, my kids become deeply concerned for every piece, every facet of these marble runs. And as soon as they notice an issue with the piece, they get deeply concerned and they rush to fix whatever's going on to keep the whole structure in place. In our lesson today, Paul is addressing a church for whom he is similarly deeply concerned. Not long before this, several years before, Paul spent a good bit of time in Corinth, probably 18 months or so, establishing this church. His marble run, you might say. Of course, the church back then wasn't one large building like we think of it today, but rather a hodgepodge of little house churches where, uh, throughout the city where people, that Christians there, would gather together in homes to worship. Paul's worried, though. He's worried about this new budding community in the midst of its growing pains. Now, something to know about Corinth is that it was a major port city in the ancient world. It's pretty close to Athens. It was also, a, for that reason, a cosmopolitan hub of sorts and had lots of wealth and influence. As such, it had quite a diversity of folks. They had rich folks and poor folks. They had people of all sorts of different trades there as well. If you go to visit Corinth today, which is a very easy day trip from Athens, you can still see the preserved ruins of the Agora, or the marketplace. You can walk down the main street of the ancient city, and you can see where the different tradesmen and shopkeepers were selling their goods. Among them, Paul, who made and sold tents. As a port where people were constantly coming and going, this city also saw an influx in, in a plethora of new ideas and philosophies as well as technologies. In other words, this port city experienced a lot of change. They were constantly experiencing newness, new things, new ideas, new little tools and gizmos and gadgets. But it also, in this way, felt like a place that was always in flux. A turbulent place is also, or a, a changing city is also a turbulent city. Paul's watching from afar as these cultural realities are colliding on this new Christian community that he very carefully and diligently helped form. He's now concerned that the church he started is beginning to fall away falling away a bit from his teaching of the gospel to them and what it means to be a follower of Christ in their community. There were different teachings that were filtering in, along with all these new ideas and philosophies. There were battles for leadership taking place in this community. There were people bickering over what spiritual gifts were better than others, as well as a a vast diversity of, of different social and economic backgrounds in the community. I think we could say that Paul had his work cut out for him. Now, while we're a world's, today we're worlds removed from the culture of first century Corinth, I think, friends, we do know a bit about this reality. 
perhaps even more so than the Corinthians. In the past two decades, we have experienced monumental changes in our world, and as we're still finding a new normal on this side of COVID-19, it seems that everything is in flux. Not helping matters at all in this regard is just how divided and broken our communities have become on a local, state, national, you could even say a global level. Even in our own small, quaint community here in Warrington this week, we saw the deep concerns of our neighbors, perhaps even some of you, over the proposed Amazon data center. There are always things in flux. There are always things changing. Whether you're in first century Corinth or 21st century America, a turbulent world feels like it's one that is always on the move. That's one you can't really trust and depend on, right? Plus, we're so divided as a society that it often feels that as if we can't even depend on one another. Both then and now you might say that we live in a world with a faithfulness deficiency. Because of this lack of faithfulness in one another, in our um, communities, our societies, you might even feel as if you can only trust yourself. Soon enough, we trust in our own faithfulness alone, rather than anyone else's, and perhaps even God's. Perhaps we can't even trust in God's faithfulness in a turbulent and changing world. In our reading this morning, Paul begins his letter, where this is really his deep concern. He begins this letter not by laying out all these things he's worried about. He'll get to those eventually. Rather, he begins in customary first century letter writing fashion by expressing gratitude to God to the saints that are in Corinth. And he finishes the section with one little reminder that's very, very telling. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul, using his best Emily Post-like manners, writing letters, reminds this turbulent church that because of God's faithfulness, they have been called together into the fellowship and service of the church. Because of God's faithfulness, not their own, they have this special task, this special mission of coming together and proclaiming the gospel in a time when the community needs to hear it most. It is the faithfulness of God that can become a uniting force in their community rather than an attribute that we might measure with a yardstick. In this constantly changing world, Paul knew that this reminder of God's faithfulness would provide hope and encourage strength to the Corinthians in the midst of their troubles. The promise of God's faithfulness can bring together a broken and divided church and reignite them to continue their ministry together. In a very subtle but powerful way, Paul changes the conversation that's happening. He changes the conversation from one that is about our own faithfulness or how faithful we are or how qualified we are to serve to a conversation rooted in God's faithfulness. 
see the difference there? The dialogue transforms from their abilities and gifts to God's, the one who gives us all of these things. Paul offers the Corinthians to trust in the faithfulness, the power, and the very love of God to root everything we do over and above our own gifts, our own faithfulness. It's only through this power, it's only through God's faithfulness that true Christian community can form, take shape, and transform the community and world around them. Friends, these powerful yet subtle words to the Corinthians ring true for us today as well. We can strive to be faithful. We, could, we can and we really should strive to live our lives of faith out together in community with one another. But you know, we also know that as humans, we will fall short and will fail one another. Even with the best of intentions, even with the best of our efforts, we let each other down, we let God down. And we fall short, as we say every week with the, with the prayer of confession that I did just a minute ago, we fall short of the people God calls and knows us to be. But, as Paul reminds the Corinthians and us today, God is faithful. Despite our shortcomings, despite our brokenness, despite our failings, God loves us anyways. Despite our attempts to continually stray and run away, God runs out to meet us and welcome us home yet again. This is the faithfulness of God which stands the test of time and can become our true north as his disciples. Pastor and former president of Princeton Seminary, Craig Barnes, tells a story a while back of his visit to Scotland which he and his wife went to church um, on a Sunday and worshiped at a congregation in the Church of Scotland, the mother church of our Presbyterian Church USA today. Barnes notes that on this particular day, the congregation was celebrating its 1200th anniversary. Not, not 200th, 1200th, 1200th. As impressed as Barnes and his wife were at this occasion, they were surprised that no one else in this beautiful old stone building, they were surprised that no one else seemed to think a whole lot of it. Barnes notes that this occasion was not marked with banners, parties, visiting dignitaries, or the announcement of a new capital campaign. Instead, he said that the session clerk got up and read a brief, solemn history of the congregation, and the service went on as normal. After being a little perplexed, Barnes was actually quite moved by their quiet, solemn, yet grateful and gracious witness to God's faithfulness. He reflects this. It was as if they were saying, yes, of course, this sounds like gospel to us. It perseveres through the highs and lows of kings and queens, famines, war, modernity, and whatever else history has brought to the church, or even what the church has done to itself. The gospel is still here. Now, back to today's scripture. 
Friends, it is this kind of understanding of God's faithfulness which can spark and stir up our own faithfulness. Trusting in God's steadfast love and faithfulness inspires us to respond in faith and love to a broken and hurting world. In other words, experiencing the light of God's faithfulness beckons us to shine this light out for the world to see. To shine a light of God's faithfulness in our efforts to make the world in which we live a more loving and just place that better resembles the kingdom of God. Tomorrow our nation will celebrate and remember the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., If you're able, I hope you'll join me just down the road, just up a couple blocks and down 3rd Street. Join me with our friends at Mount Zion Baptist Church tomorrow for community worship service at 1 p.m. There's also going to be a roundtable discussion with community leaders at 10 a.m., of which I'm extremely honored to be participating in as well. These events are both available virtually as well as through the Mount Zion through the Mount Zion Facebook page if if you're not able to attend in person. Because of the holiday, I thought we would be well served to hear a few words from Dr. King himself. I want to read just a few sentences from a sermon of, uh, of his that's entitled, God is Able, in which he, like Paul, tries to anchor our hope as well as our own faith in God's faithfulness. Friends, hear Dr. King's words. Only God is able. It is faith in him that we must rediscover. With this faith, we can transform bleak and desolate valleys into sunlit paths of joy and bring new light into the dark caverns of pessimism. Is someone here moving toward the twilight of life and fearful of that which we call death? Why despair? God is able. Friends, Dr. King shows us that it's the power, the love, the faithfulness of God that allows for our faith to take shape and transform our lives as well as the lives of our community. We can stand firm in our faith knowing and trusting that God is present, or to use Dr. King's words, that God is able. God is present. God is faithful And God loves us just as we are. Nothing can shake the faithfulness of God and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Friends, may we go into the world with this hope. May we go into the world shining this light of God's faithfulness for the world to see that we might seek to live into what Dr. King called the beloved community. To put it another way, friends, to live into the very reign of in the very kingdom of God. Amen.